You know, it's a very important thing to clearly communicate one's expectations as a leader. And I think that's true in any walk of life, whether it be at work or at school or with the family or even within the church. It's, it's very important to know what the expectations are because typically what happens to us as human beings, if we're unsure what the expectations are, if we're just left to ourselves, we do nothing. We, we just sit around and we wait for somebody to tell us to do something. And before going to the cross, that, that cross that we've sang about this morning, Jesus made it very clear to His disciples, He made it very clear to those following Him what the expectations were for them. Their expectations that He continues to have for all of us as His children, as His followers, even today. And I'm afraid that sometimes we probably do a very good job of communicating why a person should be saved. But I don't know that we always do as wonderful of a job of communicating what then. What the expectation of the individual after they've obeyed the Gospel, after they've come to Christ, what the expectation, not of us as the church, but what the expectation of Jesus, He who is the head of the church, what is His expectation of us as followers of His? And as a result of that, you have countless church buildings filled with countless people who are just sitting there. Sitting there doing nothing. Waiting, maybe. <laughs> waiting on the Lord to return. Waiting on their own departure from this earth. Sitting in a pew, but really doing nothing. And that is not the expectation of King Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said as we go back to our text this morning in John chapter 15. I'm going to begin in verse 16. He said, You did not choose Me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in My name, He may give it to you. It's right there. The expectation of Jesus is and will forever be that we as His followers will be a people who will continue to bear fruit. Now this idea of, of being a fruit bearer is something that you see several times throughout Scripture. One way is in regards to our internal self. That we as a people, we should be continually changing. We should be continually growing. We should be continually looking more and more like Jesus in the way that we think, in the way that we speak, in the way that we act. But sometimes, sometimes we live so much more like the world that we look a lot more like the world than we resemble the image of Christ. Sometimes we get so caught up with wanting to be accepted and wanting to be liked and, and still wanting to be popular by those who are outside of Christ that we really don't strive to live the life that a, a converted disciple of Jesus, a follower of His, should be striving to live. So are you changing from the inside out? Are you bearing fruit in that way? 
You know, we spent a lot of time, several months, as a matter of fact, on Sunday evening, looking at those characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. These should be so evident in our life as we're living our life from from day to day. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These things should be evident. They should be apparent in how we live our life. It's a part of bearing fruit. It's an expectation that Jesus has for all of us. But that's not the only way that one goes about bearing fruit. Another way that we should be bearing fruit is through our good works. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul would write there, beginning of verse 9, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. Isn't that what we want? We want to walk in a way that our life is pleasing to God. How do we do this? Bearing fruit in every good work. And increasing, increasing in the knowledge of God. As followers of Jesus, we should be a people who are using our time, our talents, our resources on a a daily basis to live not for ourselves, but to do for others. To see the needs of others when opportunity arises and to meet those needs. To recognize the downtrodden and the mistreated and to do what we can to, to help lift them up in this life. You know, that was the expectation that God had for the children of Israel. And oftentimes, they, they failed to meet the standard of God. We go back to Isaiah. Isaiah said there in chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat on it. And he looked for it to yield grapes. But it yielded wild grapes. So here's this man who he has a vineyard and, and he's, he's expecting this vineyard to produce good fruit. He's, he's got a fertile field. He's working it really hard. He's doing everything in his power to ensure that there is a fertile fruit, a good fruit that comes from his hard work. But he doesn't get it. He gets these wild grapes instead, a fruit that you wouldn't want. Of course, as Isaiah goes on to talk, he shares the fact, he shares the reality that he who has this vineyard is God. And the vineyard itself represents His people. In verse 7, he says, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are His pleasant planting. And He looking for justice, but beholds bloodshed. For righteousness, behold an outcry. God is looking to His people to uphold that which is good. He's looking for His people to uphold that which is righteous. He's looking for His people to do good for those who are mistreated in this life. That we should be a people who are seeking justice and righteousness. We should be a people who are helping those who are downtrodden. 
We should be a people who are continually standing against and fighting against all of the, the evil, ungodly practices of this world. You see, all of these things fall under the expectation umbrella of King Jesus, of what He expects His people to be doing. To be a people who are bearing good fruit, even through our, our good works. But it doesn't end there either, does it? No, there's also this expectation that we will be furthering the cause of Christ. If we go back to the letter that Paul wrote to the church there at Colossae, in Colossians chapter 1, beginning of verse 5, he says, Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the Gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Sharing the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Sharing this, this truth with those who are around us. Helping to lead them to spiritual maturity. This is something that we should be doing. Why? Because this is exactly what Jesus did when He was here on this earth. He didn't just come to earth just to show us how to live a good moral life. He didn't come to earth just to show us how to love other people and do good for them. He also came to earth to die for the sins of all mankind. To be the only one who could reconcile both man to God. The only sinless sacrifice. The one who gave His life on the cross for the sins of you and I. And then when He walked out of that tomb, He overcame death itself making it so that you and I, if we follow in His footsteps, we can overcome our own sin and death, not by our own doing, but by what has been done for us. By the grace that has been afforded to all of us through the blood of Jesus, through His death, through His resurrection. That is the Gospel. That is the good news. And that is a good news, a Gospel that we are to be continuing to share with those in our life. Share with those who are around the world. It's the expectations of our Jesus. But it's easy sometimes. It's easy sometimes to get too comfortable. It's easy sometimes to get set in our ways. It's easy sometimes to just feel like we're doing enough just by, by being present. It's easy to get caught in a rut of just going through the motions of religion as opposed to actually living the way a disciple of Christ has been called to live and striving for the expectations He has set for us in bearing much fruit as opposed to what we've just become comfortable with. You see, when we bear fruit, two very important things are going to happen. One is our life is going to glorify God. That's our purpose here on earth to start with. We're to live a life that glorifies God. That's going to happen as we bear much fruit. But not only does that then glorify God, we then also prove, a very important thing, we prove that we are actually followers of His. Going back to our text, Jesus said there in John 15 and verse 8, By this My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Listen, 
we can claim to be a follower of Jesus all day long. We can wear that beautiful title, that that precious distinction of a Christian, we can wear that proudly all day long. We can live a very moral life that is obviously a little bit different, actually a lot different from so many in the world around us. We can be here with the church every time the doors are open. And listen, church, I hope that we're all doing all those things. But this, this, Jesus says, is what really proves whether or not we truly are His followers. That we're bearing much fruit. We can do all those other things real simply. We can fake it. We can go through the motions. But until our life is actually bearing fruit, that's where the true test comes. Am am I bearing this fruit in the image of Christ? Am I growing in His image inside of me? Am Am I doing good for others around me? Am I sharing the Gospel with people who need to know about Jesus? Every opportunity I have, helping to lead them, bring them to obedience. Helping to to lead them in their walk with God. Helping to lead them to that point of spiritual maturity. Am I doing those things? Am I bearing fruit? Because Jesus said, not Blake, (laughs) Jesus said, that is how. That's how we prove that we're really a disciple of His. We back up in the text, verse 4, Jesus said, Abide in Me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in Me. There is no fruit produced in this life when the vine is separate. The two have to be connected. The life is found when there is a connection between the two. A branch just by a branch, just the branch by itself, not connected to the vine. There is no life there. In our spiritual life, when we disconnect ourselves from Jesus, there's no life here anymore. Where we're not living for the Lord the way that we should be when we have disconnected ourselves from Him. And as good as we may strive to be, as deep of an understanding as we may have of, of Scripture, if we're not connected to the Lord, that spiritual life that we desire that produces this fruit, it's not going to be a part of our life. This word abide here, It's a very interesting word because you can literally translate this word to make your home in. You can make your home in Jesus. Now where or how do you make your home in Him? Well, if we go down to verse 9, He tells us, Jesus said, as the Father has loved Me, so I've loved you. Abide where? Abide in My love. Abide in the love of Jesus. Make your home in the love of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? That's how we're supposed to be living our life. Living our life so that we are rooted in the love of Christ. That we are actually making our home, our residence, is in the love of Jesus. Well, how do we do that? How do we make our life, how do we root down in the love of Jesus? Well, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. 
The love of Jesus is not, it's not conditional. The love of Jesus is unconditional. The love of Jesus is not based on our obedience. I think this is an important thing to understand. Jesus does not love me more when I obey and then love me less when I disobey. That's not the love of Jesus. That may be our love. That may be the way we were loved by people on this earth. But that's not the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus is an unconditional love that says, I'm going to love you in spite of yourself. I'm going to love you when you do right just as much as I love you when you do wrong. I'm going to love you when you obey me and you follow in my footsteps just as much as I obey you when you're astray and you're off in that dark world and you're without hope. I love you just as much either way. I don't love you more when you do right than I loved you when you were doing wrong. Now why is that so important to understand? Because I think it's really important to know that God's not keeping score and I shouldn't be trying to keep score with how much God loves me based on what I'm doing. So if if I'm living my life and I'm trying to live it in a good way and and maybe I'm spending time with him in Scripture like I know he wants me to be doing and I'm trying to abide in his word the way that he wants me to and maybe I did a really good job of that today, it doesn't mean God's going to love me more than he did yesterday when I didn't spend any time with him at all. He loves me still the same. But what it does do for me when I do spend that time with Him in obedience and surrender and I'm listening and I'm meditating and I'm I'm studying His Word. Man, church, all of a sudden I find myself abiding in His Word. I'm living in His Word. And when I'm living in His Word, I can really begin to understand how much He really does love me. And, And how amazing His grace really is. And that He would allow His Son. He would allow His Son to die for me. As much as I love you all, I'm not giving up David for you. Because my love for you is very imperfect. (laughs) As I know your love for me is too. But the love of God is a perfect love. Where He would allow His Son, His only begotten Son, to die. And and not just for those of us who would accept Him. For those of us who would accept Him just as much as those who would absolutely reject Him. That love, that sacrifice, that unconditional, that grace... That grace that's been made available for all mankind is an absolutely amazing thing. And and the more I spend time with Him, and the more I live a life of surrender, the more I I start to, to put my roots down, the more my faith grows, the more that when the circumstances of life hit me sideways on some days, I'm still rooted in Him. You see, being rooted in Him, that's the only thing that gives real meaning in life. It's the only thing that that promises an assurance, a security, a steadfastness. When I try to root down in in the philosophies and the mindset of this world, when I try to even root down in my own knowledge and and experiences and and my own uh, personal wisdom and uh, abilities and achievements... It's that shifting sand 
It's always moving. There's never any stability there. There's never any ongoing true hope in the face of life. It doesn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter how smart you are. If you're trying to live this life apart from Jesus, your impact is going to be absolutely zero for the glory of God. And Jesus makes this very clear as we back up to verse 7. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Excuse me, verse 6 I think was supposed to be there. Well, I'm going to back up to verse 6. <laughs> There's verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. When we're not connected to Jesus, we're useless. And Satan knows that. And Satan is going to use everything in his arsenal to keep us disconnected from Jesus. Whether it's our own habitual sins, whether it's pride, whether it's discouragement or doubt or disappointment or grief. He is going to use everything that he has to hit us in every direction he can because he wants to keep us separated from God, disconnected from God. But here's the hope. As hard as He is working against us, we have a God who loves us and who is continually working for us. If we go back to the very beginning of the chapter as we prepare to wrap this up, Jesus said, I am the true vine and My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in Me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you're clean because of the Word that I have spoken to you. Why is it important to prune? Those of you who garden, you know this very well. You know that if those weeds start to grow, if that vine of your plant starts to get a little bit out of hand, if it's not pruned back, it'll actually start to grow in on itself. And, and it can actually start to choke itself out. Choke the life out of itself. Choke away any hope of, of potential future fruit. And even the fruit that it may bear in the moment, not as good as it could be. It may wither, die quite quickly. And so a good gardener knows that from time to time, there's got to be some pruning that must take place. Jesus knows that in the lives of His disciples, some pruning has already taken place. As they've spent a lot of time with Him over those last three years, He has shared so much with them that has helped them to grow more and more into His image so that they understand what the kingdom of God really is. And they understand how, how important it is, the, the necessary, the need for a Savior. They, they have understood uh, that the law, as, as good as the law was, the law was and will never be enough. I mean, He has shared with them so much that has helped to bring them to where they are. But just like with you and I, they weren't complete. Uh, that there was still continual work that needed to take place in their life. And in the same way in our life, the Lord is continually pruning us. He's pruning us, and, and in moments, sometimes it, it's a little unpleasant. Sometimes it can hurt. But it's in preparation for us so that we'll be stronger. So that, that in the next season of our life, we can continue to produce 
new fruit, stronger fruit, whether it be to continue to grow in His image so that those fruit of the Spirit can become more and more evident in our life, or, or it's opportunity to do good works for those around us, or, or sharing the Gospel with this lost and dying world at, at every opportunity that we have. I mean, we have so many ways to bear fruit. And he's constantly pruning us, preparing us for whatever that next opportunity may be. The expectations of Jesus... May we always be a people who abide, who live in the love of Jesus. As we live in the love of Jesus, there we will live a life that bears much fruit. A life that truly glorifies God. A life, a life that proves we are who we say we are that we really are disciples of His. So church, this morning, the invitation is yours. The invitation is mine. Are we bearing fruit the way we've been called to bear fruit? And if not, then why not? Are we not connected to Jesus the way that we no, we need to be? Have we allowed Satan to, to distract us and discourage us to the point that we've just kind of grown complacent in our Christianity and, and we're okay with just sitting here from time to time and, and we don't really give any thought to the last time we even invited someone to church, let alone shared the Gospel with them? Or the last time we gave any thought to our, our internal self and the characteristics of who we are? Or, or the last time we saw an opportunity to, to do a good deed for somebody but, but, but didn't do it half begrudgingly or skeptically or, or even just turn up our nose at the opportunity. If we really are His followers, if we really are Christians, Jesus says we'll be bearing much fruit. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. With Him, much good for His glory can be accomplished. If there's something in your life that's keeping you from bearing that good fruit, if it's something you'd like for your church family to be aware of, to be praying with and for you about, we'd be honored to. We can help you in any way. Won't you come as we stand and sing?